Our guest this evening is best friend of the show and regular guest, Rabbi Brad Hirschfield. He's an acclaimed author, lecturer, and commentator on religion, society, and pop culture. He's the president of the National Jewish Center for Learning and Leadership, a leadership training institute, think tank, and resource center. He's been named one of the nation's 50 most influential rabbis and one of the leadings uh, one of the country's leading teachers and preachers. He's also the author of You Don't Have to Be Wrong for Me to Be Right, Finding Faith Without Fanaticism. His most current thoughts can be read at thewisdomdaily.com, and he joins us today via the technology of Zoom. Rabbi Brad Hirschfield, welcome to Quarantine Busted Halo Show. Hey, Rabbi Brad. Hi, it's good to be with you, even under these weird circumstances, but they are weird. <laughs> they are very weird. Tell, tell us uh, how you're doing. How's your family? Is everybody healthy? Are you inside the house? What's going on? Yeah, I mean, my answer these days is I'm great, as far as I know. <laughs> and, I, and, I, you know and I'm saying it, it's a little bit of a joke, of course, but I'm also, because I mean it, because we don't really know about so much. But if we can remember that in the moment, if we're actually blessed enough to be doing okay, that's worth celebrating. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a larger story here because, and I, I don't mean to sound glib, but the truth is we never really know. <laughs> I mean, true. so I hate that this is the way we're being reminded. And I, I don't think it's worth the price we are paying and are gonna pay in terms of learning that lesson. But I think there is something in being able to say, no, I don't know all kinds of things, especially at this moment. But if I am fortunate and blessed enough to be healthy, and the people under my roof are blessed and fortunate enough to be healthy, and I pray with all my heart, that's true for all of you and everyone listening and everyone, period, then I'm going to lift that up and say, hey, I'm good. And I put it in the as far as I know, because I accept with real humility that we don't know everything, but we can know we're good in the moment, and that's worth celebrating. Okay. <laughs> Great. And, uh, and by the way, yeah. that's my story, and I'm sticking to that's it. it. I hope it helps you. It does. Uh, and your, your family, are, are you getting, like, cooped up in the house with the family, not normally spending all this time together? I, you know, yes, it's, you know, it's not, it's not the biggest house. It's also not the smallest, but we've got, uh, my wife is here and living and working here. And our middle daughter is continuing to teach from home. She's also a special needs educator. And our youngest daughter got back from Israel, from the seminary she was studying at, that closed down, uh, with good reason, uh, 10 days ago. And yeah, our great. oldest daughter and son-in-law, uh, continue to, they, they walk over, they live in the community, they are seeing no one else, and so they are medically part of the family unit. They're essentially living our isolation and we theirs, so they're allowed to do that. Uh, she continues to study medical school, you know, digitally, which, you know, I sometimes I laugh. I say, unless your patients are robots, is that going to really work? <laughs> but she assures me that for second year and first year students, she's a second year at will. The third and fourth years are getting slammed. Uh, her husband was quarantined in isolation, quarantined mm -hmm. for two weeks wow. because of where he teaches. Not the most fun, but we began to learn all kinds of coping mechanisms and little things, silly sounding things that end up being really important to keep your sanity. We played endless game, games, rounds of Settlers of Catan. He was in their apartment. 
We were in our house. He, he, we put a screen at the table. He set up a parallel board, and we played together. Should, should I know, I Brad, by Brad, should I know what Settlers of Catan is? What is that? Uh, honestly, no. But my wife and kids would kill me for saying that. <laughs> I barely know what it is. It's one of these multi... My guess is that the other, the people younger than us here know what it is. It's a okay. popular box okay. game oh, box. Uh, strategy. It's like a multi-tiered um, strategy game okay. based in a kind of make-believe world. And so I play with them because I love them. I'm not a big fantasy person. <laughs> so when I say that, one of my secular friends always says, what do you mean? You read the Bible. And he does that just to annoy me. You're right. And he, he so enjoys saying it, I'm willing to listen to it. But the point is that my son-in-law really was with us. It was virtual and it was real. And I think that's what we're trying to learn how to do to keep our sanity, is to know that the opposite of virtual is not real. The opposite of virtual is physical. And that means that virtual is simply another, I get it, different, new, sometimes mm -hmm. challenging, sometimes mm -hmm. frustrating, but real thing, just like physical is real. Yeah. No, I, 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 I was I, I was speaking with a priest friend of mine just recently who was insisting that he says you know stop using those as uh, false polemics because this right. this is how many and even even before the pandemic and even before everybody getting used to these split screens, I mean many people particularly of younger generations are having real and genuine experiences, but primarily through some sort of technology and looking at people yeah. on a screen, not in the flesh. Right. And the funny thing to me is that as people of faith, we should be the most on board with this. <laughs> no, really, because I re God is not virtual to me, though I have no experience of God physically. True. Yeah. I understand that a couple of thousand years ago, some people did experience that. Not mm -hmm. my tradition, but it is yours. Yeah. But it's still a couple thousand years. Right. The bottom line is we can affirm that God is very, very, very real. Yeah. And don't insist that it be physical, at least in our moment, in our lives at this moment. Mm -hmm. And so the funny thing is that rather than people of faith going, oh, come on, it doesn't really count. What are you talking about? Our whole lives are based on the premise that something that is past the physical is at least as real as the physical stuff in front of us. Rabbi Brad Hirschfield, our guest here on the Bus to Halo show, a special quarantine edition, Rabbi Brad in his home, and as Brett predicted, a huge shelf of books right behind him that we can see right. on the Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> right. I picture you all the time in like a lot of mahogany and leather-bound things and books. Yeah, everywhere. no no mahogany. They're not that fancy, I promise you. He's also uh, he's also not he's also not Ron Burgundy. I was picturing like professorial, mahogany. like a, a spinny leather chair with a pipe. I don't know. I you're just so professorial to me. Oh, he's going to show me. Folding he's got the chair. Cheapo $10 folding Listen, chair. You know, waste not, want not. Just, you know, you're using your resources yeah, no. for better things than that. Uh, so, listen, I got to have the books. Otherwise, how can I stay ahead? I'm smarter than a rabbi. Oh, well, that's true. When we, oh, when we right. play that game, we'll have to do that. I so, think you're going to need the rule book to uh, the settlers of Catan if you want to <laughs> keep up with your, with your sons there. <laughs> So, so, Rabbi Brad, in terms of this, uh, let's stay for a moment in the big philosophical sense with this uh, virtual slash real. Um, and you're right in terms of uh, people of faith. And we've been experiencing for many millennia um, God 
in ways other than physical. We certainly sacramentally would believe in the Catholic Church that we, we do have some sense of a physical experience. But, but if that's, and I think, and actually this is an excellent point, because what's happening right now to us Catholics is that we're deprived of that. Because people are, many people, right. I mean, there's a few handful, but the vast majority of people are not able to experience God or church in the physical sense aren't able to go inside that beautiful church that they love and see the stained glass windows and see the statues and see the priest at the altar and receive communion and actually physically take in the real presence of Christ. So what I think that this is challenging us to do in this time is I think what you're fleshing out about various religious traditions is how can we virtually but also in a real way connect with God? That's exactly, I love that you said fleshing out, because that was pretty funny. Uh, and and I, I want to say what I'm saying with a certain measure of humility, because I'm not deprived of communion mm -hmm. in the way that Catholics are. Yeah. And so everything I'm saying is very much, I don't have to live with certain um, things missing from my life in quite the same way. And and so I don't. I'm, I hope what I said wasn't. It wasn't meant to be cavalier no, 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 no. about yeah. that very real experience. Um, but I think that yeah, that's what we've got to do. And I think the ways we do it are actually like this: are getting together across these platforms and through these media, and thinking together, and laughing together, and caring for each other. And over time, that will become increasingly real for all of us. And I know that, that there's reason to believe in that, not just as a matter of faith, but as a matter of history. When telephones became popular, people said, you know, maybe for business, but we'll never really be able to talk about deeply meaningful spiritual things really? over the phone. Really? Wow. Right? Yeah. How, and yet, yeah. we do. Yeah. And before that, there was a printing press. And people said, you know, Books are fine, but if you really want wisdom and spiritual <laughs> edification, yeah. you have to sit at a mentor's feet, and that's the only way to get that. It turns out that's a great experience, but no, books are amazing, and we all know that, because how many of us have ever read a book? Forget a philosophical book or a religious book, just a great novel, and it made yeah. us laugh or cry. Sure. And if it made us laugh or cry, that's pretty darn real, as far as I can tell. Hmm. So we've been here before. And it doesn't mean it's easy, but it means we have reason, not only faith, but reason to believe we can help ourselves and each other through this if we will simply enter it as fully as we can, with as much compassion and care as we can. And over time, what felt strange originally will become normal. And I know that in the religion space, because the truth is, every tradition we have started out as an innovation. Yeah. And that innovation became normal, and we felt the presence of God in that innovation, and then we said, oh yeah, that's actually a sacred tradition. Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Brad Hirschfield is our guest here on the Busted Halo Show. We're talking to him from his home, a little north from where we are in New York City. Uh, I am in Manhattan, Christina in Staten Island, and Brett, I don't know if you know this, uh, Rabbi Brad, Brett's in Tybee Island, Georgia. <laughs> really? Yeah. I actually know. How did you? How, why in Tybee Island? Is that where you're uh, from? The, the where world, you're from? <laughs> the world quarantined me before anyone else. They were like, "Listen, Brett Sedell shouldn't be near anybody." Anyhow, no, I, I I was in Savannah for a comedy gig. The gig got canceled while all these things got worse and worse, and then New York got worse and worse. So I, uh, well, I stayed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The worst uh, place. I actually know someone who lives on Tybee Island. Um, 
The guy I've who probably met him then. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot of people. No. Guy, I mean, he's, he splits his time between there and, and Greenwich Village. I don't know where he is now. Um, but one of his daughters is actually named Tybee, the guy who wrote the book Walking the Bible. Oh. Does, uh, does oh, your wow. friend have any uh, toilet paper? Because um, <laughs> everyone's running low on the small it's not here. quite that intimate a relationship. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Fair enough. It's going to have to get there. Okay. I'm just... So, Brett, uh, as long as Brett yeah. brought it up, it is, this is one of the things I wanted to t- talk to you about, Father uh, Rabbi Brad. I always call you Father Brad when I'm... Fair when I'm... me. I'll take the compliment. <laughs> so, uh, Rabbi we, Dave. We've already seen a little bit, and uh, you know, if the, if the movie is about pandemics or zombies or... or any forecast, we might see some more of this, of um, a time like this can push people into a more selfish place, even though we're trying to be more aware of of people's needs in the world around us. And we've seen some definitely very selfless and heroic acts. I don't know if you saw that story yesterday out of Italy where an elderly priest volunteered his respirator because they didn't have enough and he ended up dying and somebody younger was able to take advantage of that. So obviously there'll be great stories like that, but there uh, likely will be still plenty of hoarding of things and who knows what else might kind of push us in yes. on ourselves. So uh, wh- what are some things that we need to at least be looking out for and be aware of in a time like this? Uh, because because you you and I and uh, others know know about the human person and and even society and, and how that works. What what are uh, what are some things we should be careful for? So, look, all cards on the table. Yeah. Not toilet paper, yeah. just cards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel some of those feelings and wonder about, will my wife and kids have enough and have to kind of check myself. So, you know, I think that's normal and natural. It is a legitimate response to the moment we're in. It just can't be the governing response. And I actually, that's an important distinction because we all pretend, no, you should never feel selfish. No, you should never have a desire to hoard. No, if you're really a person (laughs) of faith, you should have no fear. I mean, mm. not in my world. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the reason I think it's important to know that those feelings are legitimate and authentic is because that's the first place of saying, I know they're real. Yeah. I know they're legit. I know they're authentic. But they're not the only things I need to feel. They're not the governing mindset or spirit that I need to bring to this moment. It's a part of what it means to be human. It's mm-hmm. not all of what it means to be human. That's number one. Number two I have learned in my life, and I really do think it's true in general, and there may even be some science to support it, but death fucked with scientists about that. (laughs) Caring for others, practicing compassion, turns out to be one of the most self-caring, healing acts we can do for ourselves. And that's not theoretical. Any doubt, because it's, it's been taught by every tradition for a long time. I know firsthand when I began to discover this. 16 years ago, they thought I had a lung tumor. Hmm. It turns out that I did. That's a whole story of big, painful surgery and stuff. But thank God, got through it. I admit I was scared. Right? You never really want to hear a doctor say, you have a lung tumor. Right. And I was so scared about the test that was going to confirm it, which was somewhat invasive, that I used every power of persuasion and charm I had to convince my pulmonologist, let's put off the test. (laughs) 
I mean, I'm an idiot. This also, I want to clear this story also because I'm an idiot. So I'm sitting here arguing with a doctor, the <laughs> professor at Columbia University. No, 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 doctor, let's put off that test. Because I was completely, you know, and I actually got her to buy into it. It's also a little weird to me that it's a story about pulmonary health at this yeah, moment. Well, for sure, yeah. And I talked her out of it. I got another pneumonia. She said, look, this has to be done. Now, she told me later she knew what was probably going to be found. Mm -hmm. I go to the hospital for the day of the test. The valve's putting a tube, two tubes down into your lungs. I'm like, my blood pressure's off the roof. I'm scared. I'm literally silently saying psalms to myself to try and get myself to calm down. <laughs> it's not working. They sit me down on this kind of part chair, part bed, and my, you know, really not in a good place. The nurse who's standing in front of me, because the doctor was behind me getting ready to tube me and all that stuff. And I noticed that she was wearing, the nurse, a small cross, a mm. small gold cross. Yeah. And obviously she saw that I was sort of in Jew, right? Skull cap, beard, the whole deal. <laughs> and, I, and I said to her, um, you know, I don't care what the faith is. It's actually really comforting to see you wear that. And it happens to be a really beautiful cross. And her, she got very quiet and her eyes got very big. And she said, thank you for noticing. I didn't always wear it. Wow. And I said, really, can, would it be rude for me to ask why you decided to? Because I didn't grow up so observant. I didn't grow up wearing a, a skull cap, a teapot. And she said, well, it wasn't that long ago, because I explained it was when I was young. She said, um, I started two years ago when my son shipped out to Iraq as a reconnaissance Marine soldier. Wow. And I said, wow, I can only imagine how challenging that must be for you as a mom. Yeah, sure. And her, now she really started to cry. And I said, but I also know that, and I'm sure you know, because you're still wearing that cross, that faith does things for us and to us that we have no right to expect and could never imagine will happen, but they're so real. And the only thing I would ask you is, would you tell me your son's name? And would it be okay if a rabbi prayed for a nice young Catholic Marine? Yeah. And around that, we started to talk about him and where he was serving. And at about that point, I hear from behind me, from my doctor. And she says, I don't know exactly what you two are talking about, because I'm trying to get set up for this test. But whatever it is, keep doing it. Because your blood pressure has dropped by 30 points, your pulse is slowed down, your body is relaxing, and it's going to make this whole thing a whole lot easier. Wow. Now, the truth is, <laughs> the moment I began to care about her, my nurse, I began to get healthy. Wow. So all I know is there are plenty of situations in which caring for others is the most selfish thing we can do. Because the moment I was caring about her, and I'm not a hero, I wasn't trying to do it, I was just yeah, intrigued and sure. genuinely curious, sure. and the moment I began to care about her, it's amazing, I didn't have room in my head to be worrying about me. Yeah. And because I wasn't worrying about me, I was a lot happier and healthier. Yeah. Rabbi now, Brad everyone Hirsch, can do that. Everyone can do that in some way, every day. They can do it on, front, on, on Zoom, they can do it on phone calls. 
every single day, every one of us can do that. And I'm telling you, you can live for hours off of the 10 minutes of peace that gives you. You can hear uh, his regular thoughts at thewisdomdaily.com or read them at least. Rabbi Brad Hirschfield, best friend of the show, Brett Sedell and Christina Ambrosino, all around the country, and we're gathered together virtually and in a real way. I like that. Yeah. Rabbi Brad, what's uh, so what's like coming up? Have you had to like cancel gigs or whatever? Or? So it's amazing. Some things get canceled physically. I'm busier than ever. It's I amazing. know. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. I mean, and you understand this perfectly because the modality has shifted. Yeah. But I don't remember the last time the tools you and I and Christina and Brett and all of us who are in this, as it were, business. Yeah. I don't remember a time these tools were so needed yeah. by so many. Absolutely. And so you pivot in terms of the modality and you use the, the toolkit of faith and of scripture more than ever. And that's how we're running things, both me personally and for Klaus as an organization. And thank God, by and large, it works. Now, uh, Rabbi Brad... Since the last time you joined us here on the show, I believe that one member of <laughs> Team Busted Halo uh, and you had a little, uh, little tete-a-tete. Christina Ambrosino, all you kept saying is, <laughs> I can't wait to meet with Rabbi Brad. He's going to teach me a class. Christina, tell us like, how, that, uh, how, you, well, how did you approach the rabbi? I humbly asked Rabbi Brad for his wisdom, <laughs> and he is so gracious and kind and said yes. And so we made a plan. I bought a Hebrew Bible that I can start studying and comparing to our Bible. And, um, but now we're all quarantined. So. <laughs> ah, more, more online meetings. There are going to be some Slack and some Zoom but, sessions. But well, Christina, you said you wanted a class from Rabbi Brad. Look behind him. There's a huge encyclopedia set that's probably in Hebrew. <laughs> I know. He's prepared no matter where he is. <laughs> you guys can play this. Look, to be clear... I did offer that we could figure out some way a little bit when the dust settles next week, the week right. after, to continue. Um, and I want to be clear. It shouldn't require any humility to ask any teacher to teach what they love. Wow, all right. In yeah. fact, any teacher who doesn't want to do it, run from them, don't walk from them. <laughs> right. But I want to be clear. I don't think I possess as much wisdom as you think, Christina. <laughs> but as I said to you when we met, I think that anyone and everyone who wants access to the Bible and to primary sources which can deepen their faith journey, are you deserve it. It's not just can't have it, yeah. but deserve it. With all my heart, I believe that God gave these teachings to the world as an act of love. I'm just a chapter or two ahead in the book of discovery. <laughs> well, I, I, that's, really, that's really all it is. And so... We will continue, and you brought the questions you wanted, since I believe that ultimately the, the Hebrew Bible for all of us, the New Testament for Christians, actually has the answers we seek if we're willing to really dig in and study together. I know I'll learn as much as you, So, and I would say that to anyone. And if anyone wants a kind of curriculum, we can, you know, we can share that out. Ooh. But I know this is a moment we should really believe these books were given to us by a loving God in a loving way for us to be able to make better sense of the world as it comes at us. Mm -hmm. There has never been a time when I believe we need that more. Yeah. So we should be all helping each other to access the traditions we love so people can use them to create a better world and a little calmer, healthier, more ethical, more loving yeah. life. Yeah. That's, um, That's all I know. 
That's all well and good, Rabbi Brad, but I'm feeling a little left out. So um, I would like I would like a one-on-one session, and we could play Settlers of Catan. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be readying myself with the rules and regulations. Feel free. All right, let's do it. Rabbi Brad Hirschfeld is the author of You Don't Have to Be Wrong for Me to Be Right, Finding Faith Without Fanaticism. You can read him regularly at the thewisdomdaily.com. Rabbi Brad, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you all. Please stay healthy. Please do everything you can to protect yourselves. Uh, there's nothing more important, right? My tradition, we break basically almost every law to save a life. Yeah. And I think right now, how we behave is not just a chance to save our own lives, but to save someone else's. And that's an incredible opportunity to know that in the midst of an illness, we cannot really control. We can exercise that kind of control, which doesn't just keep us safe, who could save the lives of our family, our friends, and our neighbors. And that's a pretty big blessing to be given at a pretty confusing time. Well, uh, thank you, Rabbi Brad. We will see you hopefully soon.